Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What is going on? It is the Ethos Clippers podcast coming at you on Halloween evening, October 31st. We're in the middle of a back-to-back Clippers facing the Magic tonight and the Lakers tomorrow. But Matt Mattawar and I said, screw that. We're not doing even a game recap. We are doing a trade recap as Harden has landed with the Clippers. Before we get there, though, Matt, how are you, my friend? Sports ethos, Clipper Nation, Brandon Marcus, how the heck are you? I'm still in my Halloween costume, which was uh, a complete disaster. Nobody could tell what it was. I think it's... I think it has more to do with me as a person than the costume itself, but I am here on All Hallows' Eve. The candy is outside. Hopefully, the kids each take one and only one. We'll see if they adhere to those rules. Perhaps not, but I'm uh, I'm pretty intrigued. I'm uh, I'm excited about the news that broke last night. I'm not so excited about this Clippers game that's happening right now, where it's currently 17. To 11 in favor of the Orlando Magic with less than a minute left in the first. What a quarter, but I'm doing pretty good. Yourself? I am doing good. Just uh, wrapped up some trick-or-treating. My kid is two and a half. Um, He made us hold him the entire time. Chose not to wear his Halloween costume, which we had ordered from Amazon, which was a mailman's truck. So you put over your head and you're basically wearing a mailman truck. He had been talking about it for like three or four straight weeks. Kept making my wife show it to him on the computer. It came. He put it on this afternoon for the first time. Loved it. And then decided he did not want to wear anything the rest of the evening. So... We just carried him, went house to house, got some candy. So that was nice, I guess. Um, Not the whole carrying part. And then we, too, had a please take one. Or actually, I put please take two because I got 250 pieces from Costco. And we've had, like, four people come to our house. So there's going to be a lot of (laughs) leftover candy. I got rid of the please take two sign. And instead, I just put something over our ring doorbell that said, baby sleeping. Happy Halloween. So we'll see how much candy is there. Uh, when I get back from recording this podcast. But we have basketball to discuss. James Harden is going to be a Clipper very shortly. It has not been announced yet. However, he was in the Clippers locker room before the game, so that means it is all but done. And I got to tell you, man, this is another deal that the Clippers do in the middle of the night. I woke up to a text from you, my brother, and one of my close friends who is a Clippers fan, and I also woke up to a bunch of Shams Shams, and Woj uh, tweet notifications because I have it where whenever they tweet, it goes as a text basically to my phone. And I saw a trade recap as like the first thing I saw when I looked at my phone. And I was like, holy crap, this just happened because it was um, Shams basically recapping the deal. And then I realized it happened last night. So once again, I missed a trade. I missed the PG Kawhi thing. Um, I was in Denver and it happened at what? Did it happen like at midnight or something? Pacific time? When it was. The, yeah. Yeah, it was it was super late. It was it was about midnight. So um, or the, thereabouts, eleven thirty midnight. And didn't the Tobias Harris trade happen in the middle of the night as well? 
I feel like it I mean, did. That's, just, that, that's the Clippers' MO, just uh, yeah. stealthy in the middle of the night. And, and that's what we've been talking about in the podcast, that if a trade's going to happen, uh, we've said that previously last year when the Clippers were at the trade deadline. We said if something's going to happen, we're not going to know about it. And it's just the way the Clippers operate. And I had somebody come at me on Twitter saying that here are the deals that have happened where we knew. It's like, yeah, the no. I mean, the, the obvious one, sure. But Harden is one where we had just been told that no trade was going to happen. And... I'm going to be honest, I, I'm stunned that this deal happened when it did. Um, in hindsight, it makes sense based on a couple of things that we've discussed previously. But once the Clippers backed out of the deal, I thought for sure they were just going to go with the good vibes that they've currently got on the roster with the guys who were a part of this training camp that seemed to have bought in. And then they'd reevaluate um, closer to the deadline and maybe bring in a guy like Malcolm Brogdon or see who else maybe was disgruntled. So let's talk about the surprise factor first. Are you surprised or do you think this makes a lot of sense given that they discussed getting Harden? It seemed like he was clearly at an impasse with Daryl Morey and the 76ers never wanted to play again. But I thought the Clippers were maybe just going to move on and reevaluate later on. Are you surprised that this deal happened now? I'm shocked, just like you you are. Um, I, I was already – I wasn't in bed quite yet, but I had my teeth brushed. I was – just going to turn on a Simpsons episode to fall asleep to. My lovely, beautiful wife was, had, had an overnight shift at the hospital, so I was here, just me and the dog, ready to call it a night. Got the got the uh, the alert from X or Twitter or whatever, and I at first I thought it was a fake tweet. I was like, okay, well this is obviously it's too late. Mm-hmm. This is a fake Woj account. I'm not going to get duped. I think I texted you actually. The first thing I said was, is this real? Yeah, I, I really didn't know. So I am shocked because I did think the Clippers had, at least for the moment, moved on. They were going to wait till maybe around the trade deadline. Um, from what I understand, or at least from what I gather, maybe this is a, a slight reaction to not getting Drew Holiday uh, when he became available from the Blazers. So perhaps then they just said, well, let's just act. Let's just do this. Maybe that was the case. Maybe Morey finally just said, all right, forget, man, just give us everything else. Uh, But regardless of what happened, I was not expecting it. I was caught off guard. Um, And I've gone through a roller coaster of emotions. And I'm very curious to hear how you are reacting to this as you and I have not. We've we've talked a little bit cursory about this, but we haven't really gone into great detail. We've been saving it for tonight for all Hollow's Eve. As a dog howls in the background, perhaps a wolf, uh, wondering how you're feeling about this. Yeah, um, there's a lot to unpack for sure. And it's kind of funny how the deal happened when it did. Um, One more note on that that I think makes a lot of sense. Remember last year at the trade deadline, we were talking about how it makes a lot more sense for the Clippers to make a deal earlier because they only had like 19 games after the All-Star break. And so the earlier you make a deal, the more games you have to get guys together and to kind of build some chemistry going into the postseason. And the more weeks that went on, no deal was being made. I was a little concerned that any deal you made would kind of be patchwork in terms of how you put your lineups together before the postseason. This is the opposite of that. This is Lawrence Frank, Ty Lue and company deciding, you know what, let's make this deal now. Let's have 79, 78 games to see how these lineups work and incorporate James Harden instead of trying to make this deal closer to the deadline where you only have, what, 30, 25 games 
to figure out how the lineups work. And I think that there's going to take a lot of time to figure out how the lineups will work. And we'll talk about that because you don't know if you're going to have Russell Westbrook start. You're going to come off the bench. You're going to have James Harden staggered with PG and Kawhi um, and have PG with Harden or Kawhi with Harden. Like there's a lot to figure out in terms of what works and what doesn't work. So it makes a lot of sense with that timing in mind that the deal was done now in that respect. So I know that you and I are both surprised, but I think in that aspect, it makes a lot of sense. And and to that point, you're, you're completely right. I mean, it, it helps with continuity, uh, figuring out rotations, like you mentioned, and perhaps seeing what, what you're missing or what the Clippers may need down the line. You know, they traded a bunch of power forwards, so be it that maybe come buyout time, trade deadline time, they have this cr- uh, crew sort of worked out and and seeing sort of what's missing moving into that phase of the season. And as we get closer to the playoffs, we have, you know, the main guys sort of kind of rotate those kind of rotations are set, but what's missing, what little tweaks can be made here or there, even from bringing somebody on the outside in who's not at the level of a James Harden or or a Russell Westbrook last year, but let's say you do need like another big or a shooter or whatever the case may be having this big trade happen early it also gives time to figure that kind of stuff out. Right, exactly. And you can figure out what type of power forward you might need and how they'll work with this team and who might be in the buyout market and what that will look like. So there's certainly now some time to figure out, like you said, what works and what doesn't work. So let's let's first start um, on the guys that left before we get to James Harden. Um, so Robert Covington, Nico Batum, KJ Martin and Marcus Morris all gone. Um, we have certainly said our piece recently about Marcus Morris and a sit with his team. And he's a guy that I liked a lot initially. I, I didn't think he was a bad fit. There was a lot of talk about how should it be he or Jermichael Green that the Clippers end up get, uh, having on the team. Cause Jermichael Green, I think was a Clipper at that time. And then he became a free agent and they decided to go for Marcus Morris. Um, he, served well. I mean, he he was a good clipper in terms of what they needed. He just really tailed off. Um now the guy in Robert Covington is that I mean, we didn't really see him play a whole lot and he's someone that we liked a lot, but he certainly didn't play a lot. I think the one guy that's certainly going to be missed is Nicholas Batum. And give credit to the front office for getting Batum and certainly giving him that chance to reclaim the talent that he had. With Charlotte, I mean, this was a guy, I mean, you and I both play fantasy basketball. He was a fantasy stud with the Hornets. I mean, he was going, let's say, 15, 8, and 7 in certain games with steals and blocks. Like, he was filling it up all over the place, and he was done with Charlotte his final year. Like, he was not good, but he had a chance to revive himself with a team that really bought in, and he bought into them, and the Clippers bought into Batum, and You've seen that several times with guys like Reggie Jackson, Nicholas Batum, guys Patrick Beverly, guys that really liked the Clippers and that bought into the culture and really helped set a culture for this team. So he's going to be missed. And those are uh, some of my words on Nicholas Batum. What do you got on the guys that left? Yeah, we can start with Batum. I, I love him. Um, his wife is an, is amazing just with the fans and engaging uh, both both them and just them as a family. They're fantastic. And of course, yeah, that last year with Charlotte, I mean, but Batum 
was and you want to talk about fantasy stats like when he was on when you even back in his portland days oh my gosh he got that contract uh that huge contract for a reason but you're right it seemed like he was all but out of the league came to the clippers uh, you might you can call it a reclamation project if you want but he was just back in the mix just showing his versatility and his how he can be just the ultimate at that point in his career glue guy and we've talked about we talked about that many 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 times after many games how he was just this glue guy that could always in the right seemed to be always be in the right spots um, and just elevate the level of the team. Covington is, you know, we didn't really get to scratch the surface of what he may have been on this team. Unfortunately, be that because of T. Lou, be that whatever whatever the case may be. This season he got to start, of course, a couple of games, but that's just a couple of games. Uh, we love him as a person, though. I mean, his story overcoming, uh, you know. Uh, mental uh, mental issues and 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 how basketball helped you know save him and just uh, his story is fantastic as well. So both of those guys will be sorely missed. And Marcus Morris, as much as I will rail against him, or as much as I did coming into this season, you have to admit, man, he played a pivotal role in that conference finals run. He he had some great moments for the Clippers. So he'll be he'll be fondly remembered. I don't know that he'll be sorely missed just because. It was time to move on, absolutely. And KJ Martin, you know, you you wish the guy a great career. He's super young. He's uber talented. It was going to be very exciting to see what he was going to do. But you know, happy to have him on the squad for as little of a time as it was. And that's what I will say about those four gentlemen. Yeah, I want to save KJ Martin because you and I had discussed how excited we were to see a younger player on the Clippers develop and be a part of this team that had a lot of aging veterans. And it's unfortunate that Martin is one of the guys that needs to go in the deal to make the finances work because I was really excited to see how he worked with this team. And we were excited about the energy and athleticism and his versatility that he was going to bring off the bench. And to lose him really sucks. I think to lose Batum number one is unfortunate. KJ Martin number two, I think, in my eyes, a guy that I was really think that could have had a future with the Clippers. Covington obviously is a great fit, and he was doing well with the starters, but he just didn't play a whole lot. And then, of course, Marcus Morris, I think you were happy to see go. And it, it, you wonder what would have happened if the Clippers would have never backed out of that Brogdon trade because you would have had Brogdon, you would have got rid of Marcus Morris, and you still would have had Brogdon as your backup point guard with Russell Westbrook. You wonder, would this Harden trade have even happened? And my guess is probably not. So uh, this is certainly going to be one of those what-ifs. What if the Clippers would have just done Morris for Brogdon, and could they still have Batum and Covington? How would this team look? But the Clippers had a lot of guys, and you and I talked about that in the last couple of weeks, that there are certainly guys that deserve to play that weren't going to play. They were going to get DMP CDs because there were just too many bodies, and the Clippers did consolidate that with this deal. Um, so it is unfortunate to see those guys go, but consolidation needed to happen. And I think that we'll see what it looks like going forward. But like you said earlier in the podcast, you now have a chance to see what type of guys you want to bring in to work around these guys in PG and Kawhi and Harden and Westbrook and Zoo and Terrence Mann and see who fits around them and what you might need. So it'll be interesting to see um, what comes next. Let's, let's go to the Harden side. James Harden is a Clipper. You and I said we were not going to discuss James Harden anymore until he became a Clipper. Here he is as a Clipper. You asked my feelings. Um, I think it's a trade the Clippers absolutely needed to make. And the reason why I say that is because 
PG and Kawhi have shown that they cannot stay healthy for an entire season. The Clippers, without PG and Kawhi, are not a good basketball team. And when you are not a good basketball team, you lose games. When you lose games, you end up finding yourself in that play-in matchup that the Clippers found themselves in against Minnesota. And you do not want to be in that position. You want to be a top four seed. You want to get home court at least in the first round because being a top four seed most likely is the path to get to the NBA Finals. It just doesn't happen very often where a top three, top four seed is not one of the ones that ends up in the finals. It's going to be one of the top four seeds. And getting James Harden allows you to have another floor raiser and have that ceiling be even higher when PG or Kawhi has to miss a game. So I think it's a trade you absolutely need to make to have a third star and also in the postseason to have that third guy. So that is why, number one, why I think that trade needed to happen. So that's my opinion on the trade initially. What about you? Can I ask a question about about the trade and yes. about James Harden coming in? Yeah. Um, can we be excited? Is that okay? Yeah. Is, is, is it all right to just be a little bit excited? I know. I know. There's a lot of talk, and we all know the James Harden James Harden detractors. And believe believe me, I I've pointed I've picked out every little thing that you can with James Harden. His playoff performances, his quitting on teams, uh, this that and the third, right? But the, at the end of the day. Is an MVP guy, led the league in assists last year. Clippers, we've been begging for a guy who can facilitate, for a point guard, for somebody like James Harden for a long time. Yes, we just talked about what we gave up in the players. We haven't talked about the picks quite yet, but in the players that we gave up. And and that sucks, and it's really, really hard to see guys like that go. But can we be excited? Because I'd like to be a little, I'd like to be excited about this. I'm I'm interested to watch this. I'm intrigued, and I am honestly a little excited. Yeah, and one of our loyal listeners, Trent Maddox, um, he and I went back a little bit this morning discussing the deal, and he's very anti-Harden. And I was just explaining how the health is something that I think is important, and Kawhi and PG can't stay healthy. And so you have to bring in somebody else that can raise that ceiling. And that's why James Harden makes a lot of sense. And I get the whole he's a team cancer thing. But guess what? You know who else was a team cancer? Russell Westbrook. How has that worked so far with the Clippers? Shockingly, it's worked really well. And he's bought in. There's no reason why James Harden can't buy into this team. And I get it. He has been an absolute disaster the last couple of stops that he's been at. And teams have clamored to get him and then could, could not wait to get rid of him. So I totally get it. The thing is that the the logical play all along was to trade PG and Kawhi and kind of restart. I mean, that was a logical play because the Clippers, as constructed, were never going to win the NBA Finals. And so the only other play you could make is to bring in another star that was not going to cost a lot of draft capital that A, you didn't have, and B, you don't have young talent to deal I mean, Terrence Young is not, I mean, Terrence Mann is not young. Like, he's around 26 years old. So you had Mann as a piece, along with those unprotected first-round picks in 2028 and 2030. The Clippers only had to deal away one of those, and that's in 2028. And granted, there's semantics in terms of the pick swap with OKC and how Philadelphia is getting another pick out of it from OKC. But the thing is, the Clippers only had two first-round picks in Terrence Mann, plus a lot of expiring contracts. That's not going to get you the level of star most likely that you covet. 
and it's going to get you a veteran. It's going to get you a Drew Holiday. It's going to get you a James Harden. And in this case, you get a guy in James Harden who wants to win now, who has motivation to win, coming back home, and you pair him with PG and Kawhi, who you're probably never going to deal because you're about to open a new arena next year. And so if you're not going to deal them, the next best thing is to bring in a guy like James Harden. So that's why I think the deal needed to happen. But I totally get the other side of things where people don't want James Harden on their team because he's a cancer and he's a guy that is a ball hog and he disappears in the postseason. I understand all that. But I think this is a deal that, Given where we are as a team with the Clippers, it makes a lot of sense. And you now have four future Hall of Famers on your team, which is really freaking cool, man. Like, look back to where the Clippers used to be and look at where they are now. It's a fun time to be a Clipper with a chance to actually win a title. So, yes, to your point, yes, we can be excited. Yeah, and and to, and to your point, thank you. I appreciate that, and I will be excited. To your point, I mean – Yes, maybe logically it makes sense to trade PG and Kawhi, but do we really prefer a complete teardown and rebuild that is going to take five, six, seven years just to get possibly back into contention with the picks that we traded away or picks that we may have traded for? You know, it. yeah, you know, if you think about it from a logical standpoint, sure, okay, let's plan for the future five, six, seven years down the road. But right now, like you said, there's four guaranteed hall of famers on this team you know james harden is going to come in and give give the clippers an aspect that they haven't had maybe ever and uh, definitely not with this iteration with the paul george and Kawhi era so i think it is i think it is time to be excited and like i said i <laughs> i i was not into the james i was totally into james harden coming in june i flipped I flopped. I flipped. I think I flopped again because now that he's now that he's coming and he is coming, him and PJ Tucker, by the way, uh, I may as well go all in. The Clippers are going to go all in. Why shouldn't I? Exactly. Have some fun with it. I mean, it's one of those things where this is a team that now has three guys that have been fantastic players over their careers. And you add in Russell Westbrook, who also has been a fantastic player, but we know who he is at this point. But in terms of guys that can straight up win you a basketball game at this point, you have four of them. And guys that are probably top 10, top 15 guys in the NBA, you have three of them in Harden, West, I mean, Harden, Kawhi, and PG. So you have really good talent on this roster. Harden's a guy that averaged a ton of assists last year. I think he was close to, I think, double figures. If he wasn't um, over, he was certainly certainly close. I don't have that number in front of me. But I know, I'm pretty sure he led the league in assists. So you have him, and now the question is, where does he fit? You and I have talked about the guys that left. We've talked about Kawhi and why we think the deal makes sense. But now the question is, where does he fit? Does he start? My guess is that most likely Harden does start. Does he start with Russell Westbrook? I don't think so. But what does that mean your bench unit looks like? Because if your starting lineup's going to be Harden, PG, Kawhi, Terrence Mann, and Zoo, then you're looking at a bench unit that consists of Norman Powell and Russell Westbrook and Plumley. And the question is, who else do you have? Because you got rid of all your power forwards on the roster. So you'll have Bones Highland, who's another guard, and you'll have Amir Coffey. But it's Kawhi, PG, Zoo, Harden, 
and Mann, probably. And that leaves you with Westbrook, Highland, Powell, three guards, with Plumlee, Coffee. Like, there's certainly a missing piece. P.J. Tucker, of course, is in the deal as well. Um, so he'll play, and he's just not been good offensively, but we'll see what he brings defensively. So I don't know. Do you think that Harden starts, A, and B, do you think he starts with Russell Westbrook, or do you think Russell Westbrook comes off the bench? And more importantly, do you think Westbrook reacts well to coming off the bench? Because he's certainly someone that did not react well when he came off the bench with the Lakers, but does he buy into it now? That, that's a big question. A lot to unpack, certainly with the rotations, uh, the, the starting lineup. You know, we haven't seen Team Man yet this season. I do think, I mean, so when when you first hear about this trade and the the Clippers lineup, potential starting lineup of those four Hall of Famers together in Zoo, right? So that would be Westbrook, Harden, Paul George, Kawhi, and Zoo. Like, okay, well, that should be the starting five because those are the those are four Hall of Famers in Zoo. Uh, although that doesn't necessarily make all that much sense if you really think about like the defensive backcourt that you'd be having there or lack thereof. Uh, you know, Westbrook is. Orlando game start with the steal and a great block on, on Panchero, but it, he can get lost sometimes uh, in one on one defense. He's a great team defender and he can help quite a bit. And then we all know Harden's defensive uh, liabilities. And that also means that you're pushing Paul George or probably more likely Kawhi to the four, and that puts a lot of wear and tear on those guys. So really, it would kind of make sense to either find that, that other four. Like, uh, c- could you see? pj tucker potentially starting i don't think so but it's not out of the realm of possibilities and then so you bring in t-man but that also kind of is is a little bit of a weird sort of uh positional um thing that ty lee will have to figure out so i i think initially i do think harden will start to answer that question i think t-man will also be in the starting lineup and russ will come off the bench do i think he'll buy in yes because i don't think that this trade is going to affect Westbrook the way that he was affected by sort of just being sort of pushed into the corner when he was on the Lakers. I think he has completely bought in to being on the Clippers, to Ty Lue's system, to this team, to this fan base in particular. Even tonight when he had that steal and that block that I mentioned, he's hyping up the crowd. He's yelling. You can see it on TV. When I was there live for the season opener, he was just getting the crowd going. Of course, that was before the Harden trade. But I I think he has bought in enough that he understands that he's going to do what he needs to do, especially at this point in his career, signing the contract that he signed to come back mm-hmm. to help this team ultimately win a championship. So I think the starting lineup, and I, I don't know, and uh, please tell me if you have some other thoughts on this. I'm sure you do, but I think it's going to be with T-Man and Harden coming in. They'll be the starters, of course, PG, Kawhi. And Zoo and Russ will indeed come off the bench, at least to begin with. I think that's how they'll run it, but I don't know for sure, obviously. Yeah, I think that's certainly a possibility. But here's the thing. It goes back to what we chatted about earlier. That's the benefit of making this trade now, is that you have 78 games with James Harden to figure out who you want to start alongside Harden, PG, Kawhi, and Zoo. Like that fifth starter was a question mark in this in the preseason and end up being T Man. Now, here's the question. Do you want PJ Tucker to start, even though he's a liability offensively, and then you have two guys that can't shoot really in Tucker and Zoo? 
and then you have Harden, Kawhi, PG that can carry the offense. Like, sure, that's a possibility. Your defense would still be pretty damn good with PG, Kawhi, Tucker, and Zoo. But then you look at your bench unit and with PJ Tucker starting, and your bench unit looks a little bit better with Terrence Mann and Westbrook and Powell and Plumlee. Like, it's a little bit better there. You know what I mean? Like, having T-Man come off the bench feels like it makes sense for your second unit. That being said, when we get to the postseason, it really is only going to be like eight guys that you see touch the floor. And Bones Highland most likely is not going to be one of those guys, which is disappointing because people who have listened to this podcast in the last couple of weeks know that I was looking forward to him getting some time. And he's starting tonight and a chance to really show what he's got and be that backup behind Westbrook and groom him as that future starter. Well, now he becomes the third string point guard behind P- behind Harden and behind Westbrook. So he kind of floats into obscurity a little bit. Um, but that being said, injuries happen all the time, especially with guys like Kawhi and PG. So who knows how long that's going to last. But when this team is healthy, then it, what does your second unit look like if you start with PJ Tucker? It looks like guys who have a lot of athleticism in Westbrook and Mann. But if you start team man, I don't know about that second unit. Where's the scoring coming from with that second unit? If you have Tucker and Plumley, it's really going to be Westbrook and Powell and Highland, I guess, if you're going to be willing to play those three guys together, but the rebounding is not going to be very good. So that's the thing is that there's going to be weak points in different lineups that you play. Like the rebounds, not going to be good. The rebounding won't be good. Um, if you, Anyways, because now you got rid of all your power forwards, except for P.J. Tucker. Like, the rebounding is not going to be great. The guards are going to have to help rebounding. So, it'll be interesting to watch, no doubt about that. But I think if you have man come off the bench, it makes more sense in terms of your bench unit look, will look better. But at the same time, what matters is your starting lineup. And so, that's why I think that man will probably start in the five that we discussed. Will probably be the five that we see. But then again, man's not healthy right now. So, who knows? Yeah, it'll be it'll be really interesting to see, and I'm glad you brought up um, offense as well, especially off the bench. Offense off the bench because there was some talk, you know. Okay, so they traded four power forwards for for a guard for Harden. Okay, so now you know there's some chatter now. So now we trade Norm Powell for a power forward. Boom, easy. I don't think you trade Norm Powell at this point because he's going to be so important off that bench as a scorer, getting to the line. Keeping leads, uh, you know, getting back from deficits. I think I think they'd be hard pressed to trade Norman Powell, which I've heard mentioned a few times, and I don't agree that that should be what the Clippers do next. Yeah, I don't think you can. And I've seen people, I don't think so. I've seen people talk about that, but man, your bench looks really, really bad if you trade Norman Powell. That being said, we don't know who's going to come back in a deal, but uh, your bench just. I don't think would look very good unless you got a scorer back that can play the power forward position or something that you can put with Westbrook and you can put with Bones Highland. This is going to be a tough, tough job for Ty Lue because he's going to have to manage a lot of different personalities, manage a lot of different um, positions because you didn't really want to put PG and Kawhi at that three and four, but it certainly seems like that's going to be a possibility um, in these lineups. I mean, you look at today and you have Westbrook and Bones Highland in the backcourt with George and Kawhi moving to that three and four, and it's not working so well so far. I mean, granted, there certainly can be that trade hangover, but as we record this, the first half is coming close to an end, and Kawhi is 0 for 6, Westbrook's 1 of 7, and PG's 2 of 9. Like, these guys are not shooting well, 
And who knows if that has anything to do with what they're doing the defensive end um, or they're just having an off night. But, I mean, you're losing to the Orlando Magic right now as we get close to the halftime. And does that, is that anything to do with the position they're playing? I know there's a lot of positionless basketball, but when you're putting Kawhi in that four versus having him at the three, does that impact him at all offensively? And we don't really know. We have to ask the guys um, and see what they say, but they're probably not going to give you an honest answer. I don't know. Uh, that's my only hesitation here is that I really don't know where the pieces all fit and I don't know if they will fit. But I know that's a trade that seems like you have to make because it raises the floor in the regular, regular in the regular season. Yeah, you have to make the trade. Also, the Clippers are being out-rebounded only by one, but still being out-rebounded currently uh, in this game. So I don't know if that speaks to sh- shifting down. Uh, I think people are doing fireworks in the background here. Sorry if you can hear that. Nope. Um, if you if you shift uh, PG and Kawhi down to that three and the four, I don't know if that does affect the rebounding or whatnot, but it is certainly going to be interesting. I mean, there is that there is that little PJ Tucker piece that you could use with putting into the starting lineup. I mean, it does help you defensively, but yeah, it could. You know, he might just be relegated. You, you want to seem like relegated out to just the corner because all he can do it basically is corner threes on offense. So. It's going to it's going to be tricky but there is going to be and we have to remember, you know, with any of those starting lineups that we mentioned and then of course the bench unit which is going to shrink in the playoffs, but any of those starting lineups that we mentioned is going to be very very talented and give other team fits at least you would think. So, it's not the worst problem to have, but it is going to take some tinkering and I don't I don't doubt that we're going to see a, a few different iterations of what the starting lineup and what the bench unit obviously is going to look like throughout the coming weeks and months. I'm excited for it. I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued. Um, you know, there was, there, there, there's been some calls from the background for Kobe Brown. Can he be that? Can he be that power forward? I don't, I don't think so. Um, but maybe he'll get a little run too. You never know. Listen, I would be happy to be wrong about, a rookie getting playing time. And I've said that I don't think Kobe Brown's going to see this floor, see the floor really this season. He's obviously playing tonight and he's played close to eight minutes in the first half and has two points, one rebound, one assist, a block and two fouls. Um, and you look and you see what he's done. I'm pretty sure he just scored actually as they hit halftime. Um, so he's got four points of the half and I mean, not bad. The Clippers are down by three at halftime um, as we're about to come close to this podcast and with how awful the offense has been, the defense has been there. So that's actually good that the Clippers are showing that they can play some defense even if the offense sucks. So, I mean, Kawhi's been awful. I don't think Kawhi has made a shot in the first half. I don't know. Oh, of six. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how this is going to work. Um, but what I do know is that it's going to take some time and there are going to be bumps along the way. And the Clippers, Clippers fans, if you're listening to this, this is not going to be a 30-point win right when you get everybody together. Like It is a known fact that whenever you have a new piece coming in, there are going to be some peaks and valleys. And normally, I know it's one of Dan Bezvers' favorite thing to do is the first game when a star comes to your team, he takes the other team when, it's, when he's gambling. I mean, let's say the Clippers are a seven-point favorite in the first game with James Harden, PG, and Kawhi. He always takes the other team and takes those seven points. 
And it's because there's those growing pains initially. These guys have to figure out what it's like to play with each other. And Phoenix is going to do the same thing when Bradley Beal eventually comes on to the floor. Who knows when that's going to be? But he and Booker and KD have to figure each other out. And so the one advantage that certainly Denver and Golden State has right now is they have a lot of continuity. I mean, the Warriors are trying to add Chris Paul, but that's been very seamless so far because he's coming off the bench and has looked good. And the Nuggets are playing with basically the same exact team they had last year, except for Bruce Brown. And so there's certainly an advantage for those two teams in Golden State and in Denver that teams like Phoenix and the Clippers don't have right now. Um, And the Lakers are even incorporating a lot of different pieces as well. So we'll see. But I'm excited to see what's ahead for the Clippers. All I know is that when you decide to hitch your wagon to PG and Kawhi and sacrifice your entire future to get Paul George from Oklahoma City, then you had to go all in. This is not something you had to do half-ass. And when you have two guys in PG and Kawhi, you have to go and assume they're going to be healthy and figure out who can be that guy that they can put with them that makes sense with the trade equity that we have. And in this case, the assets the Clippers were willing to deal landed them James Harden. And I'm, I'm excited to see how it's going to work, Matt. I Like I said, I'm glad I got permission because I'm very excited. Do you... And I'm... Uh, I'm curious if you want to talk about the draft capital at all, because I know yeah. we mentioned the four players going out, yeah. and we can wrap up you know, pretty soon. I know we, we said we weren't going to go too long here tonight, but just if we wanted to touch on that real quick, because yeah. it was Do it. A, big, a big part of the trade. Let's see. Let's let's hear your thoughts first. Okay, so it's a 2028 unprotected uh, first round. We got some couple second round picks in there, and then a 2029 pick swap that uh, OKC was involved in. Now, I... And, and I guess we kept the 2030. Yeah, and then there's and I, that first round pick that um, it's going to end up being, basically, it's really complicated with, with OKC. They end up having their choice of um, three different picks. Right. That And Houston's involved. Uh, uh, sorry, Philly's involved as well. And I think Philly gets the worst of the three picks or something between OKC um, and Houston, I think it is. So either way, there's three different first-round picks, and there's a pick swap, and so Philadelphia ended up getting another extra first-round pick out of this. Yeah, so it's it's a little confusing, and I know like that 2028 unprotected. You know, people are harping on that. Like Clippers, you just keep giving away draft capital, and how can you possibly advance and build? And I get that because draft capital is super important, especially this day and age. If you want to make trades, and then you know, and just having any any sort of draft capital what 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 i was pushing back on is it's it's 20 it's a 2028 unprotected which 2028 will be here before we know it but it is pretty far in the future you know i was thinking about it um and maybe this is uh maybe this is a little naive of me to think about it this way but i was you know i mentioned that i will i will be having a child that child will be four by the time that this pick comes into play then i was thinking about you know, well, we don't have draft, draft capital. You can't make trades. How are you going to acquire players if not through the draft and through trades with draft capital? Well, the owner is Steve Ballmer, who is the richest person on the planet, essentially. So I don't think with an owner like that, you this you have to use the same calculus as a as a team like Oklahoma City or New Orleans or people that sort of stockpile these draft picks. Kind of have to because that's how they build their capital to acquire players and make and. Uh, because free, they're not necessarily free agent destination. They don't have the money to maybe go into the tax to overpay for players. I do think the Clippers have that luxury. In fact, I know they do with their multi-billion dollar stadium coming next year. 
And the third thing I was thinking is I printed out <laughs> the Clippers draft picks over the since Olua Candy, and it is not an impressive list. So wow. if you are thinking that just the draft, uh, the capital in itself, as far as having a draft pick is concerned, go back and, and look who the Clippers have taken just in the first round. And there have been a couple of hits, but for the most part, it's the C.J. Wilcox, the Reggie Bullocks, the Bryce Johnsons, the Jerome Robinsons, the the Melvin Elis, if you want to go back way further, the Korolevs of the world. So it's not that crazy. And I understand it's all about draft capital for future trades, but this is a trade you had to make today to try to win this year. So the draft capital is a long way of saying I thought about it, and it doesn't really bother me that much. 100%. And would you rather have an uncertainty in a first-round pick um, with a team that has shown that they can't do well in the draft, or would you rather have James Harden? And for me, I'm not sure I have James Harden. And for the Clippers, you mentioned it, and I've talked about this so many times in this podcast. The Clippers have been dreadful in the draft, and who knows um, what they're going to do. I mean, they got SGA, of course, who has been probably their best pick, um, in the last decade, and they had a chance to go and get Michael Porter Jr., but instead they got Jerome Robinson. And so this team certainly has made a lot of mistakes in the draft, and I'd rather have guys that can win now because you've hitched your wagon to PG and Kawhi. So we'll see. Um, and by the way, that pick that I was talking about is the 2026 pick from the Thunder that's going hmm. um, to the 76ers. will be the lesser-valued pick of the three the Thunder own. So that's according to Jake Fisher. Um, as part of the deal, Clippers will send a 2027 first-round pick swap to OKC. So I think that uh, initially the Clippers had a pick swap going to OKC from the PG trade, but something was modified with that deal. Either way, what's important is that Philadelphia ends up getting two first-round picks somehow, some way. The Clippers end up trading the 2028 pick, but they do not trade the 2030 pick. So the Clippers have to be thrilled that they were able to keep the 2030 pick and keep Terrence Mann and still get James Harden, whereas Philadelphia is happy that they ended up with two first-round picks and a lot of other draft capital that they can try and swing with along the expiring contact contracts to get that other star to put with Maxi and Embiid. So I think both teams actually end up winning out on this deal. We'll obviously see long-term who ends up being the real winner um, with that draft capital. But to really put an emphasis on what you just said about the draft picks and 2028 and what that's going to look like, do you really think that Steve Ballmer is going to let this team be in the bottom five in the NBA? Like, it won't happen. The Clippers will spend. They'll find a way. You ha you now know that the Clippers, dealing all this draft equity, are going to do whatever they can to bring back PG, Kawhi, and most likely James Harden. So those guys are going to sign a new contract after this year. Now, will that take them close to 2027, 2028? Probably. And then we'll see what happens after that. But you got to know that the Clippers will find some way to get some talent on the floor because A, it's going to be a nice arena. B, it's Los Angeles. C, it's Balmer with a lot of money. So I'm not too concerned about the Clippers trading away a top three pick in this deal. Like I just don't think that's going to happen. I think most likely this will be a late lottery pick um, at the very worst. Uh, yeah, absolutely. There's no way Balmer is going to let this team bottom out. Uh, absolutely not. He hasn't shown there's no sign that he would let the team do it. He's spending so much money, more money than we can even fathom. And so that 2028 unprotected, while it seems like this very, what it is, is it's a great, 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 great trade asset 
for the Sixers. Yeah. Right. Like it's not like they're, they're never going to keep that. They're going to they're definitely going to trade that. Yeah. So it is it is a really good trade asset that they got, but I don't think it's an asset that the Clippers gave up that they're going to live to regret all that much. I mean, maybe maybe so. And and I will say this. Hate hate the James Harden trade, like the James Harden trade, just intrigued by the James Harden trade, love the James Harden trade. The one thing I think we all can agree on is the Clippers, if they weren't before, they are must, 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 much watch television now. And we are going to have all kinds of interesting discussions about it on this pod and on Twitter with Trent and the rest of rest of the listeners and Clipper Nation. And it's it is going to be one of the most interesting seasons that we've had uh in memory no doubt it'll be a lot of fun and we'll be chatting about it all throughout the season the clippers obviously have one more half to play against orlando as we record this and then the clippers take on the lakers tomorrow and then they've got some time off so they'll have some time to incorporate james harden because after this the clippers do not play again until monday um and that game will be on Monday the 6th at New York as the Clippers hit the East Coast to take on the Nets and the Knicks. So we'll have a podcast for you at some point, most likely this weekend, um, and we'll recap the Orlando and Lakers games, and we'll talk a little bit more about James Harden and look ahead to that New York trip. So a lot to discuss, I'm sure. We'll see James Harden most likely, I would assume, make his debut tomorrow against the Lakers. Um, because the Clippers, frankly, need the bodies. So my guess is we'll see Kawhi and PG play in the back-to-back, which is going to be very surprising um, for many to see, but I think that we will see that. Um, and obviously it depends on the amount of minutes they got to play a night, because who knows, this game could go to overtime, and maybe not. But the Clippers are on national TV tomorrow, and so normally you got to play your stars in national TV unless you got a real reason. And the Clippers are playing their two stars in the game that's not nationally televised on the first game of a back-to-back. So we could see Harden, PG, and Kawhi all together um, in that game against the Lakers. So I'm excited to watch that game tomorrow. I know you are as well. Matt, at Matt Mattawarren on Twitter, at BD Marcus for myself, of course, Ethos Clippers podcast is there as well. That's where you can always find our podcast, of course, wherever you listen to your podcast, whether it be Apple or Spotify, we're there as well. You can give us a five-star rating, review the podcast as well. It always does help the podcast as we continue to grow. So until next time, the James Harden-led Clippers are back in business here, along with PG and Kawhi. He's Matt. I'm Brandon. And go Clips. Go Clips. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.